Hello, friends. It is Sean here, and it is Tuesday. And you and I, after finishing Obadiah yesterday, start another new book. And today we step forward into time, and we land in the New Testament in the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians is not a big book either. And there are all of four chapters which we will read through this week and finish off next week. And the book of Philippians was written to Paul to his friends in Philippi, where he had spent a significant amount of time with them building up this new church. Poor old Paul is in house arrest in Rome at the time of writing this And he writes to encourage them to let them know that he's still getting to do ministry even though he's in prison. And even though he hopes if all goes well and he's released after his trial that he can go back and visit his friends in Philippi, he can't wait. He needs to send them some information about some attacks that are happening on their church from hostility from around them, but also some arguments coming up within the church between some members And that old chestnut, Jewish people saying that the Gentiles had to become Jews in order to be Christians. And he just wants to set things straight from his house arrest, thus writing this letter. So join me, friends, as we go back into that guarded house with Paul, quill in hand, writing a letter as we begin reading Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus in Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, 
knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. It is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Ah, oh, Jesus, Paul is one chipper dude, isn't he? There he is, stuck in prison, writing this uplifting and encouraging letter to his friends. The singular focus that he shows on building up your kingdom and everything else is secondary to that. Gee, that's inspirational to hear. Our lives seem so full of very important things that should surely be our priority. And here, as we read Paul's priority being entirely bound in sharing you, your gospel and your love with the people around him, I pray that you would instill in us a similar drive, a similar priority, that it's your kingdom, it's your grace, it's your story that would be our priority, that would sit on the tip of our tongue waiting to be shared at any moment. Lord, draw us into the priority of your kingdom and let everything else be secondary to that. We just place ourselves at your disposal as living sacrifices to be used for the benefit of you and your kingdom, Jesus. 
And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.